Hebrews 5. It says, Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when the time you ought to be teachers, you need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as having need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are full age, even those whom by the reason of use have uh, their senses exercised to discern both good and both and evil. Now listen, we interjected these verses so that we could find them. He keeps writing and go to verse 6, chapter 1. He's continually writing after he says that. He says, therefore, because it starts, if you look at your Bible, therefore, and you're like, therefore what? This is verse 1. It's, he's, this is a letter, and he's writing. So he says, hey, you, you, I'm coming to you, and I'm only giving you a bottle because a steak was what was supposed to happen, and it didn't. And there, he says, therefore, in light of that, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go unto perfection. And, and really, if you read that word, it shouldn't, you know, when I was a younger Christian and read the word perfection, I basically wanted to close my Bible and walk away because I was like, that is unrealistic completely. And, but it means completion. It means to go on to a full understanding and a full completion. That's why Jesus said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. He meant be complete, fully understand everything. Not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. Of the doctrines of baptism, of laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do, if God permit. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We pray for your holy anointing. God, that's the only thing that separates us. We need you tonight, God. Speak to us and challenge us, God, to go from good to just per what your perfect is, Father. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Put Ephesians 6.1 back up one more time. I mean Hebrews 6.1, I'm sorry. Therefore, leaving the principal doctrine of Christ. Therefore, leaving, leaving the principal doctrine of Christ. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. And you can put it down. It's time as a church we leave the principal things of God. It doesn't say throw away the principal things of God. It says they're your foundation and you keep them. But listen, he talks about repentance of dead works. Listen, if we're not careful in here, we will be so satisfied like we heard this morning that he said, hey, that we could ever, all we know is an altar experience with God. We come to church. We know we haven't done right through the week. We come down here. We ask God to forgive us. We get the preacher to pray for us. We go back and it's laying again the foundation of dead works. Yes, you've got to confess that Jesus is Lord. That's the principles of foundation. Yes, but there is more in your life that you've got to press on to. It's your job to press into Him. It's your job to develop. It's your job. Listen, some of you have been sitting on a church pew for so long that you think you know all these things and God will come to you like through the Word and say, Hey, you should be teaching then. Oh, I knew it was going to be real quiet, so I'm not worried about that. He said, I should come to you and be able to really get you to the next level of deepness of God, of spiritual meat. How many scriptures do you know, but you don't use? Man, we post them on Facebook. We post them on Instagram. 
There's more than Jeremiah 29, 11 out there. Yeah, everybody, if I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts to prosper you. Prosper you? The New Testament church is not prospering that way. The New Testament church says, well, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have is a deep understanding of God and who he is and what Jesus did, and I'll give you that, and it'll take care of everything else. That's what we have. Amen? It's time to leave that stuff. It's time to leave this whole, we come down and we go back and we come down and we go back. It's time to really understand. I'm just going to preach. There's, listen, we need to understand what the blood of Jesus really is. We sing about worthy is the lamb today. I told Lucas, thank you for obeying God. I felt the Holy Spirit come on me on the first song. Just begin to say, worthy is the lamb to receive blessing and honor and glory and power and dominion. It's all his. Worthy is the lamb of God. It's more than you getting up and saying, Lord, forgive me for my sin. I plead the blood over my life. You better be careful what you say. The blood of Jesus cost him everything. You better have a full press into it. Understand when you say, I am washed in the blood, you understand he went in once and for all and no longer will the, the blood of bulls and goats sacrifice. He was the eternal lamb for us. And man, we would go to the next level if we understood the real true blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's wonderful. We sang it. Are you washed in the blood tonight? If we're not careful, we'll hear it so much that we don't even get what we're singing. All we'll notice is, wow, that's a good swing beat. That's what I notice. But it's, you, you gotta, we've got to press. He, heard, he said it today. We can sit here and do nothing. Whoa, we had good services. I, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't know if we got some of the things he said today. I just was shaking my head. I was like, our pastor doesn't shear the sheep very often. But today he sheared us. And I don't even know if we took it. Some of the things that he was saying to us. He said, maybe God's not moving in all these great spiritual services all the time. Because we're already so satisfied, we'd really be worthless. That's my paraphrase. That's what he meant. We'd say, ooh, every time we meet, the glory of God is in the temple. Ooh, every time we meet, there's a fresh anointing on us. To do what? There's a fresh anointing to do what? There has to be something in your life where you realize, I've got to go into some deeper things. I've got to get where some of these younger people can talk to me and I get the concepts of God. And it's more than just the concepts of God. It's where you really know Jesus. It's more than just saying you know him. It's more than just saying, forgive me, Lord, of my sins. I'm talking about where you have the real deep things of God. And I challenge you tonight before God that we press in for those things. There's gifts of healing and there's words of wisdom and there's fruits of the Spirit. Every one of us should press hard for the fruit called self-control. The King James will call it temperance. It's a way cooler word. Self-control. Oh, we don't want to do that now. We don't want to press into the self-control of God. I have no idea what that is. I don't even care. If we're not careful... We'll become so church and service oriented that we completely miss everything. 
Listen, I preach at youth camp with kids that are already tired. They fall asleep all the time. That little buzz is not going to bother me. Turn the whole board off and turn it off. I don't need it. Start it over. It'll work. JT, go to my next scripture, Philippians 3. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Be, see, maybe the problem, Brother Lot, that we don't want to press in is because to have fellowship with him, we have to suffer. You ever thought about it? It's right there. I, I'm sure some of you have this scripture like on some kind of plaque or in your, I love it. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the whole New Testament. But sometimes we get so where we can quote it that we don't really get it. He says, being made conformable to, unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I'd already attained. Either was I already perfect. There's that complete word again. But look, I follow after. Church tonight, I just want you to listen to me. I, I'm telling you, when I walked up on this stage... I felt like garbage. I've got something wrong with my stomach. My granddad's been helping me. But I walked on this stage and I felt the anointing because I know God's given me this word. And, and I want you to see this. He says that I may apprehend that which also I'm apprehended of Jesus Christ. And listen, my question to me is, am I really going after Christ? Like, am I really on a daily basis apprehending him? Like, just, did I wake up today with the thought of, I want to catch Christ? I know it's tough. <laughs> but we have to wake up and say, God, we're missing it. We are so comfortable. Look at 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, and this is so true with all of us. Forget the things that are behind and reach forth. But I want you to see in this whole time he's talking, he's got a point. He's got a goal. He's going after God. Paul's not just waking up every day. And, and he mentioned it this morning that he's being beat with his, the, the old, all the things he did wrong, all the things that are happening. That you don't think the devil was beating him. How many people that he had murdered for Christ. And he had to come to a place where we all have to come. We're going to forget everything in the past. And we're going to press forward. We're going to forget everything in the past. We're going to not look in the rearview mirror. We're going to focus again. We're going to get a fresh. Every sermon over the last month is lining up to tell the church it's time to work. It's time, it's time to get back to business. Some of you can't work right now. I was thinking about when he talked about, you can put that down. He talked about he's going to give them milk. Well, I've been lately around a lot of babies, more than normal. I have a niece, I have an Andy, which is a niece, and I notice one thing. 99% of the time, the reason they're whining and grappling is all you got to do is give them some milk. It'll, it'll end most problems. The, the problem is, is that's the expectation of Andy and Darcy, but in the church spiritually, there's so many people that are always gripping and complaining and whining like babies and all they need is a bottle. And the people that are ha passing out the bottles are weary 
At times, he said, when you should be teaching, why do you have need that somebody teach you? Why are you always the one? Well, nobody talked to me. Yeah, but what about you? If you're new in the church, you should be harassed by people loving you. But after you've been here and serving Christ for a year and two years and five years, the bottle shouldn't be all you know. Well, Brother Jerry's got to call and check on me. No, I thought you were going to the next level. I don't, Paul said, y'all pray for me. The saints, hold up the pastor, hold up the shepherd. You've got to go from always wanting a blessing to being a blessing. Once again, he said that this morning. It was in my notes. I thought, well, Lord, I'm right on track. Always coming up here. Some of you come up here and you leave unsatisfied because you're like, Lord, touch me. And God's going, no, I've made you to touch others. Start laying hands on other people. Start believing God from other people. Didn't you notice he said going on past that principle thing to the laying on of hands? People are scared to death of it. Study your Bible. It's right there. There's a reason when we lay hands on each other. I love it when the power of God will flow somebody broken. We give beauty for ashes. We give the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Some of you are going, I need it, I need it. He's saying, you just go do it, I'll bless you. It's time to grow up. It's time to throw the bottle away. Hallelujah. Man, nobody's even talking to me. Go talk to them. Get the bottle out of your mouth. Glory to God. I'm telling you, sometimes I expect new youth that we have to surround them and pull them. That's my job. I love my job. What I don't love is when they've been in the youth group for seven years and I still have to always check on them. Are you okay, little buddy? Is life good, little buddy? I I don't have time for that. There's people dying and going to hell. And I'm not talking about a brother like when John was in jail and he's going through discouragement. You understand what I'm telling you. I understand what I'm talking about. There are times that adults get in situations and they need somebody to check on them. And the problem is, is everybody in the pews like, yeah, that's where the pastors come and encourage them. You've missed the whole sermon. That's where you and your prayer time growing closer to God, he speaks to you. Listen, I was going through, I don't even know what happened. I do believe in spirits. I don't see them around every corner, but there's demonic attacks. I'll be attacked tonight because I preach tonight. It's weird. Doug Lott texts me at midnight. Hey, I'm praying for you. Had you on my heart. He didn't even know I couldn't go to sleep because my mind was just being messed with. And right about the time he said he was praying, I didn't get it till the morning, is right when the peace of God came over me and I went to sleep. He has no idea. He had no idea. That's where he wants us all to go. He wants us all to get to that place. I've got some, a couple more, so you just got to bear with me. 2 Peter 1, 4 through 10. I love Peter. I love reading these. Whereby are we given unto ex, um, exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Glory. And beside this, giving all diligence... There's your problem. You can't be half-hearted in this to grow. you got to give it all. Add to your faith, virtue, and to your virtue, knowledge, and to your knowledge, self-control. There's that word. And to self-control, patience, and to patience. Nobody wants patience. 
No. I've even been told don't pray for it. But Jesus said in your patience possess you your soul. He learned obedience to the things he suffered. And I'm telling you, in that suffering is where he learned patience. It's hand in hand. He, you don't think that he knew he was going to glorious return one day? And he had to go through the cross first? You know, I, there's enough trials in these days. If you want to go after God, you ain't got to pray for patience. He'll put you waiting. That's why he gives you the Old Testament to show you guys like Joseph who were 12 years in the prison before they got promoted. They had the dream, they had the vision of God, they had the purpose of God, and they waited all those years in the prison before they become second in command. It's to teach us something. It's more than a little felt board Joseph and his brothers bowing down and coat of many color. It's real life. It's what some of you are walking through right now. You're in the prison and you don't understand it, but that's part of your patience and it's part of your growing. You can't minister to others in the prison if you don't walk through it. I think it's so awesome that my wife always has nursery when I preach because I don't want to bring this up in front of her, but we couldn't understand what a miscarriage was until we walked through it. We didn't know. I'd heard people say, I've had a miscarriage, you know, and I thought, man, that's terrible. Now when I hear it, I say, oh, God, help them. Oh, God, grab their heart. Because if you didn't grab ours, we were sunk. You're faithful rock. Some of you are learning that you're growing, and it's painful, and it doesn't look like growth, but it's the very thing that you need. Yeah, I know right here in the misery, it gets weird. If you read Peter, he just keeps saying add, 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 add. And I want to ask you a simple question. And I've got two scriptures left, so I'm going to close. My simple question to you or not is, since you've become a Christian or a believer, in the last year, have you been adding? Or are you subtracting? He said, add to this, this. Go to the next level. Add, add to the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says covet the best gifts. I want some of you to stand up in the middle of an altar call and hear from God and give a message in tongues and an interpretation. I'm praying it for myself. You say, well, I don't know if people are going to like that. Actually, you're wrong because tongues are for the unbeliever. When they hear that, they're not going to say, that's kind of weird. They're going to be like, whoa, God is here. God is speaking to us. The hairs on the back of their neck's going to pop up. I've been there. They don't run from that. They say, man, I understand there's a hole inside of me. And that voice that is talking is burning that hole and filling that hole. That's what we need. It's for the edification of the body. Amen. Words of prophecy. We need to hear these last days. There are tough times coming. You read the book of Acts, one of the prophets stood up and said, there's going to be a dirst on the land. There's going to be a famine in the land. And they knew it and they went through hard times. Listen to me, I'm telling you, this stuff in Louisiana is nothing compared to what's coming on our country. The LGBTO, whatever they want to call themselves, gay, lesbian, transvestite, they're adding GSA to the end of their little tag, which means genetically sexually attractive which means incest. They want people, there's a 19-year-old boy in North uh, New Mexico and a, his 36-year-old mother, they want to get married and have rights in America. And the church has set silent. Because you know why? If we're not pressing into Jesus, when we start to speak out, the voice of the world tends to calm us down. 
Can you not see the hushing where the world tries to call you a bigot? It's not bigot. That's sin. We love the sinner. How could we not love the sinner? Because we were the sinner. We understand the blood. But we're not going to tell you that it's okay. Times are coming. When I saw that article, something just checked in my heart. There's, there's going to be, I'm telling you, God always chastises a nation to try to get them back. That's his love. It's not, somebody asked me the other day, is what's happening in New Orleans the wrath of God? And I thought, I said, well, I don't believe so. Maybe some of you do. Because if there was going to be flooding and earthquakes and people dying, it probably wouldn't be New Orleans. It would probably be east-west coast. If he's basing it off of unrighteousness. But I'll tell you what it is, is it's a wake-up call to America that when he pulls his hedge, he doesn't do it. The enemy does it. That's like people say, God killed a family member. No, no, no. No, no, no. God is life. God is good. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God made a plan because we failed, saying, hey, even if you die down here, you've got an eternal salvation through the Lamb. Let me show you one other thing, and this is going to take a weird swing. I'm, I was reading this, and it just blew my mind. Exodus 8. He quoted the plagues today, and I thought, man, get off my sermon, Pastor. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that he may serve me. And if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite the borders with frogs. Now some of you are like, where is he going to go with this? Just hang in there with me. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thy house, and into thy bedchamber, and upon thy bed, and into the house of thy servants, and upon thy people, and into the ovens, and into the, the kneading troughs everywhere. And the frogs shall come up both on thee, and upon thy people, and upon all thy servants. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying unto Aaron, Stretch forth your, your um, hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause the frogs to come up unto Egypt. Verse 6. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs unto the land of Egypt. The Pharaoh, then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let your people go, that they may do sacrifices unto the Lord. Now this is where I want you to see verse 9. Look at this. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. When shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs and uh, from thee and thy house, that they may remain in the river only? Verse 10. And he said, Tomorrow... I'm reading this. What? You can put it down. There's frogs everywhere. Can you imagine or not if you go home and you open the refrigerator and there's frogs? Can you imagine if you pulled open your drawers, there's frogs? Can you imagine in your clothes drawers right now, there's frogs? Everywhere you go in your car, there's frogs. And he goes and says, I want you to notice, his little magician said, oh, that ain't nothing. We can pull up frogs. And they matched him. But he understood his little magicians couldn't get rid of frogs. 
And he said, you're God. Call on him. Tell him to get rid of the frogs. He, he acknowledged God is that big. And Moses is like, look, okay, cool. God is that big. Tell me when. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Like, I'm reading this going like, face palm, face palm, face palm. Tomorrow. You don't tell me. Listen, you can tell me that the Bible is boring, and you know every time you read these stories, man, stuff just jumps off the page at you. You know what's wrong with the church? They believe God. They know he can solve their problems. He, they know he can get rid of everything, but they don't want to deal with it until tomorrow. Come on. Come on. All he had to do was say, now. When you said, hey, when do you want God to get rid of them? Now, like yesterday. But we come up to these altars and we believe God. And listen, frogs in Revelation means evil. You can look at it, represents evil spirits. But I just call them things that frustrate you and weights that bind you. And listen, things that will keep you from eating meat and on the milk that you know God's dealing with you about, that you know God's talking to you about, that you don't need in your life, that are harming you. And God, you come down here tonight and you really are like, well, I'll start that tomorrow. I've been doing this too long. I know. I felt the power of God come on me to help somebody, and I could feel them not want it because they something going on that week. Well, the Olympics are going on. I'll quit watching the TV so much as soon as the Olympics are over tomorrow. I mean, that sounds so dumb, but we make way dumber things to God than that. I'll start reading my Bible tomorrow you'll never listen to me I'm amazed at how many people come and say they want to be leaders in the church or they want to be workers in the church I want to look at them so bad and be like when's the last time you honest read the Bible like not I don't mean Facebook I mean like you got up and said God you want to meet with show me something in your word today there's a lot of people in here that yeah there's a lot of people that are saying tomorrow. I'll start tomorrow. I've lost like 30-something pounds. But you know what? Before that 30-something pounds, I was always going to start my diet on Monday. Because you know what I knew? I was probably going to Cracker Barrel after Sunday night church. They got the Sunday chicken special, and that thing's fried. That ain't on no diet. You know, that's so funny. But spiritually, we're the same way. There's some of you that have besetting sins that are in your life that God has dealt with you about. And you know if you come up here, he'll free you and get rid of the frogs today. Amen. But if you say, oh, I'll I'll deal with that later, you won't. Never works. I thought about a story that he always tells that I love about a guy that said, preacher, he's under conviction at church, wanted to get saved. And the preacher kept singing songs and went to him and he said, he said, I got one more party to go to. And that day he died that afternoon. And see, everybody's little Sunday school doctrine says, well, I know what he did because he was in church right as he was laying there dead. He just said, Lord, save me. Doesn't work that way. He didn't say that. See how weird it gets right there? That's because if, if we're not pressing into the real gospel, 
That's why he said, work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. We'll put up all these rules that we think are okay. And we'll have this whole playbook we live by. Let me tell you this. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's not legalism. That's scripture. And it doesn't mean that I have to wear a denim dress, even though that would be even weirder. And pile your hair up and not wear makeup. I I don't care about that kind of stuff. It does say you have to dress in modest apparel. I didn't say that. The Bible did. You can't dress in a way to draw attention to you. You know, so I hear about all these holiness movements where they preach on what you're wearing. That's good. Where you're going. Oh, be careful little feet where you go. For who's sin? The Father up above. You should feel the tension. People are like, where's he about to hit me with this? Where are we going? Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Those TV shows, it's not me that cares. And I do care for your soul, but I don't care if you've been a Christian this long. The Father up above is looking down in love. You're not going to the next level without holiness. That just means to be set apart. I can't look, talk, and act like the world. That's what's wrong in Birmingham right now. There's mega churches that are telling people, they're saying they're, saying they're witnessing, and they're, the people are going, well, they're drinking, I'm drinking, so I guess I'm a believer too. I believe in Jesus. And you've got droves in Birmingham in our backyard that believe they are saved because they're saying, hey, I look just like the church. The person that's talking to me about Jesus, they're doing the same things I'm doing. What's the difference? So we have serve teams where we go and adopt a block and cut all their grass. And I'm like, why will they never come to my neighborhood? And they post it all over Facebook that they're serving the community. And then right after it, they're at some hipster beer joint drinking some kind of exotic beer and calling that the gospel. That is not the gospel. That is so far from the gospel. And if you ever want to talk to me about it private, I will be glad to. Especially if you want to use the thing that Jesus turned water into wine. I'm ready for you, so you better be ready. Because I understand what those words mean in the Greek and the Aramaic that they're written in. And it sure don't say he turned it into Budweiser or Jack Daniels. I'm telling you, nothing's a standard anymore. The last week, I had somebody tell me that I should go see a movie. So I just do what I always do when people tell me they like a movie. I just pull out my cell phone and go to Parents Guide, type in the movie title. I don't, and I don't, go, I don't go to movies, so don't worry about all that if you're judging me. I got a lot worse things I'm dealing with than movies. It's called pride. It's things like that. It's big and deep, and it gets in all of us. And I just pull it up. Parents, God. Batman versus Superman. This great movie the church is talking about. Language. F word. Language. GD. Multiple uses of this, this, this. You feel comfortable enough to tell a minister 
that you like that? That, I, that they would like that? Somewhere we quit growing. Somewhere there was a disconnect. Somewhere, listen, the new Star Trek movie, I read an article in a Christian magazine. It's got a gay guy in there. And a lot of the churches go see it. They push a gay agenda on us and we go pay our money to promote more movies like that. Right? I was reading that article going, wow. Wow. See, everybody's happy when I'm talking about frogs and ooh, this fun and frogs. Yay. Tomorrow. You can't tell me that the believers that watched all that garbage that the Holy Spirit somewhere wasn't dealing with them about what you watch. What you let through the eye gate, I'm telling you, affects your soul. And what you let through the ear gate, it affects you. If you think I'm, it's easy to preach like this, I promise you, when I was a young man, I loved to get up here and just preach hard and hack on the body of Christ. I'll be honest, I did. The anointing come on and you start preaching everything with sin and everybody's going to hell and you felt good about it. I, I'm not that guy anymore. I love you. And it says without holiness, you're not going to see the Lord. You've got to be separated. It's not legalistic. It's something where he says, hey, I need you to take the next step with me. That used to be okay for you, but now it's not okay for you. That used to be a place you want to see God really have a revival. And listen, I'm so glad Ron Jarman's coming. Oh, man, I'm praying that it's an amazing revival. But if we just live in our old sin and say, tomorrow, 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 and we come here, Ron Jarman's going to preach like a maniac. Just be ready because he's the man. <laughs> and we're going to sit and say, yeah, tomorrow. We'll get rid of those frogs, Brother Jarman, tomorrow. Everybody stand with me. I feel so good. I really want to just stay and keep preaching. It's the best I've felt in weeks. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. I've started doing something that I started last Wednesday that God showed me. No matter what I preach on, I always say, listen, if you don't know Christ... You can know him. I did that Wednesday night and I was preaching on something totally different and I saw a guy just start bawling and give his heart to the Lord. It was amazing. So the first thing I want to tell you is if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't have to repeat a prayer. I love it. Those that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All you got to say is, Jesus, I need you. I recognize you as my Lord. You don't have to, you don't have to repeat some prayer if you do that you're going to be in the baby club where we have to always baby you and tell you how to pray and what to pray for some of you I'm telling you it just came over me it's your time the, the time is the night is far spent the day of the Lord's at hand it's time that you come into fruition and maturity it's time it's time that you really say, yes, I'm going to deal with the frogs tonight. Yes, I believe the blood of Jesus will free me from every bondage and every sin. I'm not going to keep dealing with it. I'm going to come believe God that today I'm going to go home changed. It's time that instead of always wanting, you start giving. 
Amen. So I'm going to open these altars up for all of us, just to challenge us. We are two messages on the same thing. We're settled for the good. This church is so easy to sit and become a fat baby in. The worship's great. The speakers are great. The people are great. It's easy to just sit on the front pew over there and just be on cruise control. It really is. Great leadership team. This church is just not full of youth in college that work for the youth. I've got adults that help me so much. Always giving me ideas. Always, it, It'd be easy to just sit there. Leaving the principal doctrines of repentance. Let's go into the deep things. We don't even like when he says, on to the raising of the dead. I thought that was for the preachers. Looks like he's writing that to all the Hebrews. God don't raise people from the dead anymore. It's because you don't read your Bible. (laughs) That's why you believe that. You're a babe in Christ. You have no idea what you're talking about. People are being raised from the dead in third world countries all the time. I read about it. It's not something that's just, it's it's because they have God and nothing else. Hebrews says, women receiving the dead back to life. January, I stood you up and I'm preaching to you. I'm so sorry. January 2015, you listen to me, it's documented. I've I've Googled it and made sure all the articles, and I've read it, and the Assemblies of God put it out. This little boy that was 12 years old, his name was real easy to remember, and I'm not joking. His name was John Smith. And John Smith dies, falls under the ice, stays underwater 15 minutes before they get him. He lays on a table, and they work on him for 40 minutes. And the surgeons and the doctors all say, he's dead. There's no air going to his brain. He's completely dead. His mama goes to an Assembly of God church. This was January 2015. Woo, I feel God. She walked into that room. The doctor said, he's dead. She said, she just shushed the doctor and walked over and said, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, the guy in the waiting room that's telling the secular newspaper said, this woman is screaming where we can all hear. She said, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you said the mothers can reclaim their sons, raise them from the dead now. You want to guess what John Smith is? Alive. Because she understood more than just sitting on a pew. She's way more than a pew sitter. I want us to really destroy the gates of hell. They cannot stand against us. I've said it a million times, but I've got a revelation. Jesus Christ is the light. And if he's in us, no darkness can stop light. You're going to get tired of me saying that, but you've got to get it like I got it. God has to show it to you. If we're the light of the world, it doesn't matter how bad it gets. Light can never be overcome with darkness. Because in him is no darkness. John got it. Now let's go. It's time. I'm so sick of talking about football season. And every time I think about football season, something just grabs me. And I think about all the people that are going to hell. And we're so excited about football season. So 
some people's whole life is just jacked up because for three months, football's on. Nah, people aren't like that. Yeah, they are because I was one of those guys. Enjoy your football game. But man, be doing the kingdom. I don't condemn myself for the things which I'm allowed. So that means I can watch a football game. I'm not condemned for it. But I'll tell you what, it's hard to sit in front of that game when this whole week we haven't even thought about maturing our walk with the one we say we love. God, change me. It's my prayer. Mature me. Give me boldness. Or when you tell me to go speak to somebody, I don't just think, you know, that would be great. I do it. 